If you are into sustainability and cannabis, this show is for you. Hi, I'm Benjamin Douglas Ray, the creator and host of Sustainable Cannabis TV, a daily 30-minute interview show focused on sustainable practices within the cannabis industry. Sustainable Cannabis TV is designed to give listeners in-depth insights, knowledge, and stories of industry professionals who are positive impacting the world and making a difference. This show is brought to you by my line of organic hemp CBD products called 8 Saints Brand. THC-free creams, balms, and tinctures to ease joint pain, reduce anxiety, and help you sleep better. Check them out at 8SaintsBrand.com. It's uh, Benjamin Douglas Ray with another edition of Sustainable Cannabis TV. Today I'm here with John Thompson. He is the founder and CEO of Extract Lab. How are you doing today? Doing great. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, another it is, one. isn't it? They just keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> they keep coming. So this show is uh, brought to you by BuzzFeed, LinkedIn for Leaders Online, and Eight Saints brand, organic hemp CBD products using Colorado high elevation Colorado hemp. So, John, I would love to hear about your background. You know, we've got some similar right. experiences. Very, very deep. You've got a PhD. You've, you've uh, run an MSO. Tell us about your experience. It's a super fascinating story. Sure. No, no problem. I, I started off as a separation scientist, getting a PhD in that area. Uh, spent a bunch of time in corporate America, basically doing engineering projects around the world. It's been, it was a great time. Um, went and decided to, um, you know, start my own company and did a whole bunch of weird projects. We worked for NASA and we worked for, um, we worked for the Air Force. Uh, we did um, some mining projects in gold mining. Um, and right around 2014, 2015, we decided to, uh, my college pal came to me and said, hey, I'm going to start this uh, company. You, why don't you guys do all the science and get us up and running? And I said, oh, yeah, we're, we're in for that. So that started me on uh, the, the cannabis route and uh, really helped write all the technical aspects of, uh, you know, of, of several different licenses, which we helped that MSO get uh, licensed in, in several different states. And we also built out, uh, you know, their facilities from the standpoint of extraction and formulation and end products and things like that. So. And ever since then, uh, we've been putting people into the business. My company, uh, United Science and Extract Lab, uh, we've been putting people in the business uh, all the way in Canada, South America, uh, in, into Europe, uh, in the U.S., obviously. Um, we've built facilities. We've consulted on the management side. Um, we've, we've, we've implemented, you know, quality systems, software, and, of course, equipment. A lot of people really think about uh, us, when they hear about us, they say, okay, those are equipment guys. Uh, we have a full solution though. So we've been, we've been doing a, a lot of things in this industry and it's just been a really great time. The, uh, you know, I was looking, looking through the stuff on your website over the past couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I see you have a checklist on there, which is really interesting to me because you're actually giving a roadmap for what people need to think about before they get into this business. Cause I, I, yeah. I think a lot of people just say, Hey, let's do this. Let's but do it, it's right. very complicated. And, and I've got right. a, a bit of a story here. You know, when I was working with my team on, on a MIP here in Colorado, we mm -hmm. had to go through, let's say a hundred different things 
checklist, like you talk about oh, yeah. you know, the facility, you know, standard things like the power and the light and location. But oh, there are yeah. things in there like we had to work on curb cuts and, you know, trees to go in. I mean, it's a very, very complicated situation. And and yeah. we, we were some of the first in this jurisdiction and the inspectors had never done a MIP before. They'd never done right. anything of the sort. So we, we had to build these relationships over time. And I actually even brought donuts to the to the fire marshal, spent time with the building inspector. But, but I absolutely can say <laughs> that without those relationships built, not because they were the right kind of donuts, because I spent time going through all of the, the checklists that they have, we got our deal done. And I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So what you're doing on that consulting side with your checklist, which I'd like you to post it, you know, in the comments below after, no is extremely valuable to anyone who's starting to think about starting a cannabis or hemp facility. Absolutely. Uh, you need to think about checklists, uh, not only your building checklist, your facility checklist, but also quality checklists, uh, you know, your personnel checklists, um, you know, understanding what it is that it takes. Uh, so really uh, dig in, get some mini courses, do the guides, that type of thing. We'll throw some links in the bottom. Sounds really great. Awesome. Well, as as this show is, um, here's, a, here's a comment here from Calissa. Can't wait to see the check, checklist. Awesome. Yeah. I will put it in the comments below. It's really good. So as you know, this show is about sustainability and cannabis. So I'd love to hear about sustainability, kind of your points around that in terms of what you guys do in your in your extract lab business, whether it's consulting or or anything. Yeah. Let's talk about sustainability. Right. Well, you know, sustainability it can it can be a catchphrase for a lot of different things. Um, you know, from an architectural standpoint, uh, people are looking at, okay, are, are buildings sustainable? Are the building materials that we are using sustainable? And they really focus on, you know, um, you know, the like carbon footprint and things like that associated with the building. That's energy usage. Um, you know, from a, a MIP standpoint or from a processing standpoint, it's a very similar uh, set of criteria that you might apply uh, looking at different criteria for sustainability. Um, one of the things that's come up a lot recently is the sustainability of the packaging. Of course, we have a very packaging intense, um, you know, industry, right? We obviously we're doing, a lot of people are doing like CPG uh, or consumer-based products. Those are all plastics. They're filling up the landfills. They're filling up uh, things like that. So there's a whole bunch of uh, things related to sustainability that you need to consider when you're um, starting in on your on your, uh, you know, basically making a, a hemp uh, processing plant or a manufacturing plant. And what we typically do, and we've had lots of experiences in this, it's been a great time. Uh, um, we've, we've worked with a lot of people up in Canada, for example, uh, which are licensed producers up there. They, you know, they look at sustainability because they have, you know, some of the provinces have uh, carbon tax credits and carbon credits. Um, so we've actually been able to implement um, carbon negative uh, extraction facilities. It's pretty impressive. Um, and we do that using uh, various extraction techniques. And then we plow uh, the, uh, you know, the, the outputs of those techniques back into the grow. So it's actually a negative process. It's really cool. But when, when, when a customer comes to us and they're saying, hey, I, I have a goal for you guys when you guys consult for us and you guys have a, a system that we're going to have you design into our facility or design into our workflow or design into our process, 
Um, and we, we feel as a company goal or a company value that uh, we wanted to be uh, emphasized sustainability. There are basically three different things that we really think about. Um, the first one, and you can see them right up behind me, um, is carbon footprint, okay? Um, you know, carbon footprint is, is one of those things where uh, it has a big difference in terms of, you know, where, you know, how much energy are you using? The chemicals and the, the, the things that you're using, how much carbon footprint did it actually take to use those? And then how much of that are you actually using? So when you're thinking about carbon footprint, typically what you do is if you have a grow and a manufacturing facility, the grow would offset your manufacturing facility, okay? But if you only have a manufacturing facility, it's important that you look at carbon footprint. Um, the second thing is um, energy usage. And this is a really big one, especially for you hemp uh, processors out there who want to go big or go home. You really need to think about what kind of energy usage that you're going to you know, implement in your, in your, in your plant. Um, you know, if you're going to go with a, a traditional solvent process, you really should sit down for a couple minutes with a mechanical engineer or uh, us, we can give you the numbers um, and just look at the amount of energy that you're gonna be using. Are you gonna have to have, um, you know, seven, 750 kilowatt plots, pots out there in order to run your facility? That's been a big issue. A lot of people are like, oh, okay, I'm gonna use this, uh, you know, solvent and everything's gonna be peachy, but then they find, they get the bill on the other end of it and, um, you know, it's not so good, okay. The third thing would be waste generation, okay? And that is what are the, uh, what, are the, what is the waste that is being generated in your facility, okay? If you are using a solvent-based technique, one of the things you really have to think about is all the VOC that you're going to be letting off into the uh, atmosphere when uh, the biomass dries of that last three or 4% of ethanol, okay? You need to think about that because um, especially if you're concerned about sustainability, okay? So those are the three things uh, really that I think about when I think about sustainability. You know, the, you know part, of the, part of that, the second aspect about the mechanical uh, engineer or electrical, you know, yeah. what I found here in Colorado, we were talking about this a couple of days ago, is a lot of people go into old buildings. You know, it's not new construction. And right. so- the building that we went into, we shared that with a couple other, you know, similar type businesses. And in the end, one of them was an indoor grow. And they they built their system out before they really realized how much power that was going to take based on what right. they wanted to do. And so then they they had to upgrade really the power coming into the building only to find out that the lines there, that the grid didn't come out enough to support what they wanted to do. For right. their growth. So they had to completely start over after, you know, four months of plans, after spending a lot of money on consultants just to find that out. So I would second the fact with all three of these is to do your homework, uh, hire somebody, you know, it's not your expertise outside who's been there and done that before so right. that you don't run into challenges like that. Yeah, they really do. And, you know, that energy usage thing is a, is a big one. If you're concerned about a low energy platform, you really need to think about, okay, if I'm going to use, um, if I'm going to use a, you know, 150 gallons of solvent per day, oh, I have to cool that down to minus 20 or minus 40 degrees, and then I have to heat it back up, and I have to do that repeatedly, right? That's a lot of kilowatts of energy that you're de dealing with. So, you know, just like a, just like a car, um, you can buy, um, you know, an inexpensive car 
that has a very bad gas mileage and uh, very bad EPA measurements and all kinds of emissions. Or you could buy a more expensive car with all of that uh, you know, sustainability aspects built right into it, okay? So this is really what you're talking about. I mean, the sustainability is gonna cost you money, but it can also save you money, okay? Mm. And, uh, and if you do the math, which I really recommend that you do, you know, go in, go look at some of the calculators that have been made. You know, if, if you buy a car, say for $5,000 and it costs you 20, you're getting 20 miles to the gallon out of it, right? And then you buy a car that's maybe $20,000, but you're getting 200 miles to the gallon out of it. Okay, this car does not exist, okay? But you know what I mean? You, you, are, you are getting value in use, okay? And you're getting sustainability at the same time. It's costing you more money up front, but your overall costs are a lot less going into the future. So um, you've got to really look at your costs from the standpoint of cumulative costs uh, to make the argument that sustainability is a, is good for you and good for your business. And I, I really encourage you to do that. We have calculators on our website. You can go and do that uh, from a sustainability standpoint. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Well, let's talk about extraction methods, really. And then what are the kind of pluses and minuses as related to sustainability? Right. So I, I kind of have uh, really brought it down to uh, two different extraction methods that are out there although they are very similar in terms of what they end up doing. Um, you know, you, you're basically converting your biomass into some oils, right? That's what, that's what extraction does. You may have, um, you know, distillation in there, uh, you know, to get the type of oil that you're looking for, but typically extraction really has to do with taking the biomass, um, getting the flavors and aromas out of it, and then bringing the, getting all of the, uh, you know, essential oils out of it and then figuring out what to do with that waste. Okay. So there are a couple of different ways to do this and they really boil down to what solvent you're using and the process you're using. Okay. But it really comes down to solvents and, and really there's, there, you have supercritical fluids, um, which are called, everybody knows CO2 because, you know, it's bubbles in, in your sodas and things like that. So you can use that CO2 actually to do extraction. And then another very popular technique is, is ethanol, and that's what I would call solvent techniques. Um, I would also include butane and, and, you know, those other techniques also in there. So um, assuming that you have your facility and that uh, you've taken care of all of the inspectors that you were talking about and the fire code and all the control areas and, the, and all of the chillers and all the energy and all that stuff, there's a couple things to think about when you just step back and look at the extraction technique in and of itself. And you can see here, I have a little chart that I made up for you. The first one is comparing uh, carbon footprint between ethanol and CO2 energy usage and waste gen, okay? The first thing with carbon footprint, you need to be thinking about this, uh, like uh, with ethanol or with any other solvent technique, you're gonna be uh, buying lots and lots of ethanol, just tons of it, okay? Uh, well, not tons of it, it depends on your scale, okay? But you're gonna be buying lots of ethanol. You have to realize from a sustainability standpoint that it, 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 it took 53,956 BTUs per gallon to make one gallon of ethanol. That's wow. a lot of carbon and that's a lot of energy. So that's, that's all, you know, basically if you're getting it from a, a corn process or from a soy process, that's what you're really doing. CO2, on the other hand, is typically, it's it comes from natural gas and they reclaim it. And natural gas is a part of the process. The uh, overall carbon credit is given at the natural gas. So um, 
the Gas Association, American Gas Association, and the Asian Gas Association, the European Gas Associations considers the CO2 to already be like almost carbon neutral um, because it's not it's not creating a you're not actually making the CO2. Some people reclaim it from the ethanol process, and that's another way to get it. But a lot of people, um, you know, get it from say you know the gas process. So it's kind of a reclaimed reuse industrially reused eluent already so it's a zero carbon footprint technique if you use that co2 and you put it uh, you put it back into your grow uh, you can actually go to a negative carbon footprint so really you're talking about uh, a zero to a negative carbon as opposed to a very large carbon footprint with your ethanol so that's just uh, with the usage of CO2 or the usage of ethanol. You need to think about that if you're thinking about sustainability from a standpoint of carbon and carbon credits. Okay. So you're, so you're talking about a, like if you were a vertically integrated company and you right. could do both of those, you could use them. Otherwise, you'd have to have a secondary market to capture the CO2 and sell that. So right. right. You could. You mean from the ethanol or from the CO2? Uh, from the CO2. Yeah. I mean. Most of the time, the emissions from CO2 is, is negligible. It's really small. So, because you're always recycling it. And the ethanol too, they also recycle. The issue is really comes when in the waste gen. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're recycling, uh, you're getting all that ethanol, you're putting it into the biomass. It's sticking to the biomass and you don't get all the ethanol out, right? Okay. So yeah. when you take that out and you put it outside, that ethanol then emits into the atmosphere as a VOC. Um, plus, it makes that particular waste itself, um, depending on the jurisdiction you're in, they consider it to be hazardous. All right. So uh, you have to really think about that and look at your local jurisdiction as to what they want to do with biomass that has ethanol in it. So that's where the waste gen side of it really comes for and, and also the VOC side of it. So the other thing would be energy use. And that is it's it's tremendous amount of BTUs to a continuously cycled something, uh, a fluid like ethanol down to uh, minus 40 degrees. It's, mm. it's a lot of, and the, the larger the scale is, the, the larger the, um, you know, the larger the energy usage. And so if you're talking about, you know, doing a ton or two tons or even three tons a day, you're looking at about 70x usage between here and here. So, um, you know, and that, that can mean a lot of different things. That could mean like, the added cost of uh, putting in another couple of of, uh, of electrical pots outside of your outside of your facility, right? It could mean a whole new line coming in, you know, with all those concomitant costs. So you're talking, you know, to put a new line in with a pot and the switch gear and all that stuff. It's going to cost you 70, 80 grand, easy. And that's if you're really close to the line. If you're farther away, you're talking about could could be over a hundred thousand dollars. So when you think about overall cost of what you're uh, looking at, sustainability um, is, uh, you know, is, is something that you really need to think about because it's really talking about real issues that are going to affect your everyday operating costs. So it's not just a, a nice to have. I think it's actually a, 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 it's, it's a must have. Um, and so... Um, you know, companies have been out there, um, you know, up in Canada, a lot, a lot, most all of the operations up there use CO2 for this reason. And uh, that's that's what I know. Yeah. You know, the um, the the cost when you're talking about budgeting, I think yeah. here in Colorado, you know, working with MIG, with Marijuana Industry Group, I think the recommendations were for whatever your budget is, you have to triple it. I mean, that's really what it came out to be, you know, yeah. not not just as a 
plan for this, but this is what you're going to do, but actually plan for that because right. of all these other costs. And I'm not talking about the lost costs, costs you know, in terms of, right. of what you could recapture. I'm just talking about what it costs to get a facility up and running for sure. Yeah. You know, over the hundreds of facilities that we put together and we have done hundreds of them, I always, I always say, hey, a Johnny T's rule of two, and it's just twice as long and twice as much money. <laughs> if you yeah, apply that, that to your projection, true. you're fine, yeah. It's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, so some of the viewers and listeners on here may not understand the difference between extraction methods like closed loop, supercritical, like open blast, like hexane, butane. Could you give right. a brief overview of the differences of those? Yeah, so, um, well, you have, um, well, okay, so a lot of different things in there. So we got the, we have butane, we have ethanol, which is a solvent. Uh, butane is a gas, unless they compress it, they compress it into a liquid and then they run it through the, run it through the, uh, you know, the cannabis. The ethanol is a salt, is a liquid already, they run it through the cannabis. And then CO2, they have to make it into a liquid and then they run that through the cannabis. The effects of all three of those different types of solvents is, is that it, the oils dissolve in that fluid and then the fluid it conveys the oils away and separates it in space. Okay, so here's my biomass here and then here's my, uh, here's my uh, you know, oil over here. Now, some people open blast and then uh, some people close loop. And what that means is essentially um, the fluid, the CO2 or the ethanol or the butane can be fed back into the beginning of the system, so it's a loop. That's called a closed loop system, and um, uh, that that works nicely. Um, you know, usually you have to uh, when you do closed loop. Um, you know, you can do that, uh, but you have to get the solvent out of the biomass itself. Think about that. Now, how do you do that um, with a with a liquid uh, like ethanol, for example? A lot of people they spin it really quick. So they can try to get everything out, but they don't get everything. They get, they typically lose one to 5%. That one to 5% can mean a huge operating cost and lots of VOC. Uh, so keep that in mind. The CO2, of course, is a gas. It's not a problem. You can just pull, you can just pull it out. It's not a problem. It automatically comes out. Um, the butane also, you can uh, lessen the pressure and it will also come out. So you're kind of, um, you're kind of doing pretty well on, um, you know, the closed loop versus the open loop. Now, the open loop is when you don't you you don't actually uh, cycle that solvent back to the beginning. You just you just blast it out. Now, this is what uh, the Canadians were doing with their grows. They were open blasting CO two only a, only a they would open blast say twenty pounds an hour or something like that. Okay, and what that meant was they would vent out the uh, you know CO two extractor into the grow. And in order to maintain a certain part per million of CO2, and the plants loved it. Of course, they, they're growing, you know, we, we, so you're plowing it actually back, the CO2 back into the biomass. So that, that was the difference between. So that's the difference between open loop and closed loop and uh, kind of the three different techniques that are popular. Uh, it's, it's great. And I would say if anyone has questions, ask you because you're yeah. clearly the expert here. Awesome. Well, let's talk about then carbon footprint. Uh, in yeah. terms of what you do. I mean, it's uh, it's super important. We've touched on it a little bit, but really when you talk about that, about reducing that or just the issues around it, uh, what do you what do you think about with your customers? Well, um, you know, in terms of the carbon footprint right now, the, you know, the a lot of the customers that we have are not thinking about it because it's, it's not really a, 
Um, it's not really a, a government mandated thing. They're not looking, but some of the more, um, you know, I think more up in Canada, they are thinking about that. So they're looking at it from the total process. Okay, here's my plant. Um, here's, here's all of the items. Uh, here's all my solvents. Here's how much waste I'm going to do. So they actually have an entire, um, you know, an entire footprint calculation. And we can help you with that calculation. No problem at all. Um, I think you're just, we kind of have gone through the calculations already. We know which ones are better than others. And there's trade-offs with everything. So there is no silver bullet. There is no uh, free lunch. It, everything <laughs> is a trade-off. You're, uh, when you have, when you, you know, you're trading off cost, efficiency, and throughput. You're always trading those three things off. So um, that's where you really need some engineers and, you know, uh, people who are familiar and who've made up these facilities from this viewpoint of, of sustainability to really help you through that process. Yeah, I mean, it's it's extremely important and something, if it's not mandated, as we've seen, people typically have not done it. In right, the industry. right, right. Yeah, the other thing would be the biomass. That's something really a lot of people, they really don't look at. Uh, you know, the biomass, uh, if you have a lot of solvent that's stuck in your biomass and then you try to manifest that, or you throw that into the dumpster, I mean, and it has that biomass in it. It's more, it's much more flammable. Okay, and so that's something you need to think about. Um, at least at the very minimum, you need to declare that to your uh, waste manifester. Or, you know, the other thing would be yeah, problem with that would be composting it. What, what is the, you know, you're really not able to compost it um, until you get that ethanol out. So, um, we've had people actually. Um, We've had, we had like uh, 15,000 pounds uh, delivered to us one time that had been extracted with ethanol already, uh, uh, but it had like six or 7% uh, CBD left in it. Okay. So they were just, you know, bagging it up and sticking it in there, getting the main portion out. But they also had acetone in there. They had IPA in there. They had hexane in there. So, um, you know, that's where the use of denatured ethanol can also be kind of um, a negative because how are you, you know, what's the cost of the biomass, uh, you know, to get rid of it? And do you really want that to have to go into landfill versus a compost? I think everybody listening to this podcast wants to have their biomass composted, right? Um, so from a sustainability standpoint, you send it off to a composter, sell it to a farmer, the farmer can put it back into, uh, you know, till it back into the land or whatever. So. So are there are there markets for that? I mean, do people know what to do, or do they just throw it in the dumpster? Typically, most all every most everybody I know throws it into the dumpster. Um, some of the mm, some of the places that are more rural, in uh, they can just go outside and they have a compost pile and they put it in the compost pile. So it really depends on the location. I've seen a lot of different operations. Um, you know, I've seen where people have to manifest it as hazardous waste. And that, uh, and that's a jurisdictional thing. And it's also like you were saying, it's a, it's kind of a, depends on the uh, inspector, right? So, right. you know, so if you're going to, that's something you should think about. And that actually is on my checklist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Make I mean, sure that if you're really, gonna do it. You, the way that the codes are written, they're not clear. They are green or green and gray, yeah. you know, or to, right. you know, the word, whatever gray is in the, the green industry, but they're open to interpretation. can be written. If they're new, they can be written and it says a sentence, but two different inspectors can have a completely different interpretation of what that is. And they are the ones who are stamping off on your drawings or whatever it is. Exactly. So it's extremely important to understand the history of these 
you know, inspectors, regulators, really create those relationships to understand how to work with them so that they can, you know, get things approved on their end with their uh, belief system and not inhibit the process. So you really have to work together with someone who is assigned to approving your facility. Right. Yeah. And the other thing you need to think about when you're talking about your facility is, you know, how your venting or your exhaust out of your building. And what are you going to do with that exhaust? Um, you know, you should uh, be in good contact uh, because they're going to want to know, okay, is there a VOC emission? If you are in an urban area and you have a lot of exhaust, you, you should be thinking about how to deal with that VOC as it comes out of your uh, exhaust system. Okay. So um, just be thinking about that. And, um, you know, it is absolutely true that the less urban you are, um, if you know, the, the less stringent the requirements are going to be. That's just been my experience. Um, even so, even in the highly regulated areas like in California, um, it's just it's much more, it's easier to get, it's easier to do business. Um, yeah, so something I do recommend that if you're gonna be smack dab in the middle of a, a very large urban area and someone was to come to me, I would say, uh, can you move out a little bit because you're gonna be spending two years just getting your uh, facility permits. Um, right, and if, yeah, not to mention you have to do extra carbon filters, you have to do, yeah. the energy is more expensive. Where parking, think about parking, how are you gonna get yeah. someone? You know, and, and usually also with fire truck turnarounds and uh, things like that that are required with new permits, I mean, sometimes it's not even feasible. Right. Right. And it'd be good to know that ahead of time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why checklists are kind of nice. And uh, I will always say, hey, you know, go to a suburban area, an industrial industrial place. Look for the buildings that are around you. Um, did they look like my buildings? So, you know, like, uh, you know, car mechanic shops, uh, you know, things like that uh, or, you know, powder coating places or, you know, things like that. You get into those industrial areas and, and you're doing a lot better because it's uh, you're going to be able to actually get a permit to operate. Yeah, not, not near a new a new home build building community with uh, a school, right? And a rec center. Right, uh, the school. Yes, exactly. No, it's yeah. never going to happen. No, yeah. it's never going to happen. And that's I, I'm I'm actually surprised that people are still, you know, they they go for a, a they go for a license or whatever, and they, and then they find, wow, look, there's a there's a, a a school or something very nearby. You know, you know, you got to do your homework, guys. So. Yep, yep, that's true. And having having uh, you know written several licenses, um, it it is uh, it's a lot of work. So be ready to spend a lot of uh, midnight hours, uh, you know, putting your blood, sweat, and tears into it. Right. And, and I, I would say anybody who goes through the process, they would get a PhD, though you already yeah. have multiple ones. But I would exactly. say it's a lot of work, but a great education going through. Oh, process. yeah. Yeah. It, it, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I like I like entrepreneurs. I like working with entrepreneurs. Um, you know, they're they're the guys who are taking the risk. Um, they're doing it in conjunction with the, the investor. Sometimes they are the investor, um, you know, so. Um, these are some things that you should be baking into your plan. Uh, you should be talking about them with your investor. Um, you know, do I buy the $5,000 car that gets, uh, you know, five miles a gallon or, or should I buy the, the you know, the, 
the twenty thousand dollar car that gets uh, you know a hundred miles a gallon. You you need to you need to think about these things because they they affect your bottom line tremendously. And uh, these items right here are, are they'll they'll go right to your bottom line. So sustainability isn't just a uh, you know a an environmental uh, feel good idea. It's actually business. Yeah, well, uh, the, the 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 board that you have there behind you, it's a little hard to see. So I'm wondering after this, if you could screenshot that or do something and post I'll do it, that. a link. Yeah, to we'll post it. Right. Yeah. So, so what are the links that people can find? Where can they find your website? How can they get a hold of you? Stuff like that. Yeah, okay. So uh, you can find us on the web, uh, www.extractlab.com, E-X-T-R-A-K-T lab.com. Uh, on there, we have uh, mini courses, uh, we have guides, uh, we have extraction guides, we have solvent removal guides, we have distillation guides, we have business guides, we have, uh, you know, facility guides, we have growing guides, we have curing guides. And uh, so we've written uh, a lot of materials that um, probably have at least three, 400 pages worth of materials. They're all broken up, of course, into digestible pieces of content. Um, we have um, calculators. Those have been extremely um, popular, uh, the calculators that we have. So, um, you know, if you're looking to create a pro forma for your business, or you're looking to, to understand how, uh, the impact of energy or the, or the general usage, um, you know, operating costs, uh, go to our website. Uh, we have a calculators button right at the very top and you can go take a look at that. The last thing I would recommend if you're getting into this, um, we have a lot of resources where we walk through the entire process step by step. Um, we have a live tour uh, also that you can click on. So if you're interested in a live tour for one particular piece of equipment, you can um, get a live tour that way. So th there's lots of opportunities there for everyone, something for everyone, really, I think. And um, we put a lot of effort into education um, for for the people who want to know, they may or may not be, uh, you know, wanting to get into the business, but there's tremendous amount of education uh, materials on there. Well, it's a it's a tremendous value that you provide just by doing that, like say education. So, what are you excited to uh, be working on this year uh, to close it up here? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, okay. So we're um, we're basically making our next gen um, chromatography system which is a separation system for separating out, you know, CBD, THC, CBN, uh, CBG into different components. Um, that happens to be my area of expertise. And we have a, a really great system that's coming out. Um, it'll be applicable to, uh, you know, nutraceuticals, to hemp, to pharmaceuticals. It's, it's, a, it's a very large system. So I, we're, we've been working on that. Um, this year also we have, uh, we're, we just started on our mini courses. And uh, by the end of the year, we will be um, full on on mini courses. We'll have at least a dozen of them up there. And um, we've been doing a lot of GMP consulting lately, to tell you the truth. Mm. You know, because a lot of the uh, a lot of the people out there, they're looking at this wonderful market that we're in, and they're saying, "Okay, the banking act's going to go through. That's going to that is going to skyrocket." Uh, you know, this whole entire market. And that'll be a ripple heard around the world too. That'll be global growth. And so uh, we're getting ready for that. We've been um, dealing with a lot of forward thinkers on that related to uh, GMP. So people getting GMP certifications, people wanting checklists for those. And we have a uh, software that we've uh, introduced about a year and a half ago 
that's a batch record software. It's a quality management software. It's a laboratory information management. And it, it basically takes your whole entire work process and puts it all together. So it, if you want to demo that too, we're giving demos of that. So that's really what's on the docket for this year. Can't wait. Um, and my book will be coming out at the end of the year. So great. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Sounds it's going to be fun. Well, this will be a, a great year and I look forward to uh, 2021. More of these and, yeah. Yeah. All right, good. Well, good. But we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy no, thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care now. Okay. Let's see.